This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible Adult Resources. So each week we review the Bible passage for that week's study. We examine some questions teachers may face and give some teaching tips along the way. This winter we are studying the first 19 chapters of Genesis. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Bob Bunn. Bob serves as an editor on our Explore the Bible team. He also leads a Bible study at his church using Explore the Bible, and he just brings loads of insight and wisdom uh, to our conversations when he's here. So thank you, Bob, for joining us today. I am looking forward to it. Today we're looking at session 11, so we have journeyed through um, a good a good bit of the first part of Genesis. Uh, today we're we will be looking at Genesis chapter fifteen verses one through six and chapter sixteen verses one through six. So I'll begin by sharing our outline. It just gives a little general uh, idea of what's happening in these verses, and then after that uh, we will ask some questions and discuss some things that perhaps you may have as a leader, a question you may have as a leader, or a question you may get from a group member in your Bible study time. So in our outline, Genesis 15 verses 1 through 6, we have titled that Believed. After Abram rescued Lot and received a blessing from Melchizedek, God shared in a vision that he was Abram's shield. In response, Abram asked God why his only heir was Eleazar, a slave. God assured Abram that he would have his own son, as well as an uncountable number of descendants, just like the stars. Abram believed God and was counted as righteous through that faith. In Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, we have titled that Impatient. Unable to bear children, Sarai devised a plan for Hagar, an Egyptian slave, to become a surrogate to provide her with an heir. Abram agreed to Sarai's plan, and Hagar became pregnant with his child. Hagar began to despise Sarai as a result. In Genesis 16 verses 5 and 6, we have titled that impetuous. Sarai confronted Abram and blamed him for her suffering, even though she was the one who created the plan for Hagar to become a surrogate. Sarai called for God to judge between Abram and her. Abram responded by reminding Sarai that Hagar was her slave, so she was free to treat her as she saw fit. Sarai mistreated Hagar, causing her to run away. Our overall summary statement for this whole session is this. God expects his people to patiently wait for his timing. So this is a great um, passage and um, really a good one to jump into. Uh, Let's ask this question first. How does faith in God produce a righteous standing before him? Yeah, that's a really good question because it's been argued and argued and argued for hundreds of years. It was really, it's been a theological hot button ever since the Protestant Reformation mm-hmm. started. Uh, in fact, it was the primary driver. The, the, the thing that really drove Martin Luther, the post, the 99 Thesis, uh, was this question of how does this relationship between faith and righteousness? Because the church at that time was teaching that you could basically buy grace uh, with donations and contributions. And Luther was saying, no, the Bible, especially the Book of Romans, says that it says something completely different. And so he... Righteousness is the result of faith, um, and we can't earn it. We can't. We can't. We can't capture it with our own efforts. And so, uh, but it's interesting when you when you kind of look at that historical perspective. Uh, Luther's very argument from Romans is built actually on Genesis, mm-hmm. on this Genesis 15 okay. passage, because 
Romans in Paul in, in Romans, Paul pointed back to Abraham and said, the just shall live by faith. And he said the reason he could say that is because Abraham believed and it was considered righteousness. It was reckoned righteousness for him. And so the, that whole it's just interesting how that all those little threads kind of interweave into each other and, and come back to this 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 example of Abraham. But uh, if you look at Abraham, you look at this passage. It's interesting that that the faith that in Hebrew, the faith that it's talking about, isn't a one-time deal. It wasn't like Abraham just said, or Abram at that mm-hmm. time. Abram just said, "I believe," and that's all. It, that's all there is to it. It's a one, you know, one size fits all kind of situation. This is an ongoing faith. This was really sort of a decision that he made on a regular basis, time and time again. Throughout his life, it was a recurring theme, a recurring pattern in his life. He consistently chose to trust God with his present, where he was in the moment, and with his future. Uh, yeah, he waffled a time or two, and he made some mistakes, and he, we're going to talk about those, some of a couple of big examples here in a minute. But in general, he always came back and anchored himself or re-anchored himself into that faith, into that belief that God was going to. God was who he said he was, and that God was going to do the things that he said he was going to do. Now, the word credited is really the key to yep. getting an answer to this question, this relationship between faith and righteousness. And it's a, it's, a, it's an accounting term. It's a financing term. It's sort of like finding something of equal value. It's almost as if, Amber, you came to me and said, mm-hmm. hey, Bob, have you got change for a 10? And I look at my wallet. And it would be one of those rare occasions when I actually would have that much money in my wallet. <laughs> and, and I would give you a five and five ones. And I would give you that mm-hmm. and you would give me the 10 back. We would agree on what the value of a $10 bill was. And I would give you something that was equal in value, but different. And so that's sort of, it's not a perfect example, but it's kind of, it's, mm-hmm. it's very similar that all Abraham had was his faith. That's the only yeah. thing he had to offer God. And so basically he said, God, here's what I have. You know, what is, and God said, that's enough. And so he took mm-hmm. that and he gave, he credited that righteousness. It's not Abraham's righteousness. This is God's righteousness. You know, God gave him his righteousness in response to Abraham's faith. Abraham's righteousness is just like all of ours. It's not worth anything, but God's righteousness on the other hand is, um, is matchless. It's just like when we become believers now, we can't earn our salvation. We're not, we're not worthy of that. We, we don't deserve it. It's, it's an act of grace uh, on God's part. And so when he gives us, uh, when we give him our faith, when we give him our belief, when we give him our trust, then he gives us the righteousness, his righteousness through Christ. And so um, it's really, it's not, when you ask the question, how does faith in God produce righteousness? The, the key to two, two key things to remember is number one, we're not doing anything to deserve mm-hmm. it or to earn it. And the other one is it's something only he can do. It's something only God can yes. do. And so yeah. this is still the standard today. The reason Paul talked about it in Romans and pointed back to Genesis, because God's standard never changes. Faith is always the key to a relationship with him. And so we don't deserve faith or excuse me, we don't deserve God's grace. We can earn his, his favor. But when we express that to him, 
when we give him our trust, when we give him our faith, when we believe that Jesus' death is sufficient for our salvation, then he gives us something that we could never imagine. He gives us his righteousness, just like he did Abraham. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you just said uh, we can't earn God's favor. Is that what you we said? We cannot. If I didn't, if I didn't say that, yes, I should yeah. have. Yes, we cannot earn God's favor at all. <laughs> I was like, let me just double check that. That can or can't? No, we, we cannot. cannot. Yeah. So why? So in, in chapter fifteen, God renews His covenant with Abram and just kind of recounts it. Why? Why did He do that? Or why do we think He did that? We can't always know. Yeah. Well, God is perfect. Uh, obviously, He never makes a mistake. He never forgets a promise. Everything He does is perfectly fulfilled, and it's always for our benefit. That's great. That's awesome. Humanity, on the other hand, doesn't operate on the same, this, quite the same level. <laughs> uh, we're not quite wired that way. Uh, we were at one time, maybe, you know, and then sin corrupted us. But we are much more forgetful, uh, especially when things start getting hard for us or we start getting mm -hmm. impatient. Uh, when we feel the walls kind of start squeezing in on us and we wonder uh, if, if the answer is really going to come, we start to get a little doubtful. We start to get a little skittish. And so uh, we, we, we are much more like microwaves where everything <laughs> needs to happen right now. Yeah. And God is much more like a slow cooker, like a crock pot where time is of the essence. Time, time is our friend for that kind yeah. of thing. And so he doesn't live in this right now urgency that we do. Um, and so we forget and we forget that he's in charge and we forget that he's promised this stuff and we forget that he's going to work it out. We, we even forget that, that he's been faithful in the past and will continue to be faithful in the future. So we need reminders. And that's what's happening here in, in, in this passage. Mm -hmm. God had already made the promise in chapter 12. He had already given Abraham the covenant, the bare bones, the outline of the covenant, and said, this is what I'm going to do for you. He'd already offered him that. And he, again, when, when he and Lot separated, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, when he and Lot separated, God told him, walk through the land. Take a look at everything that I'm going to give you. And Abraham did, and he believed God, and he accepted that, and he built an altar and worshiped to God to acknowledge that. And so, you know, he'd already had these incidents in his life where God had said, hey, this is where we're going to go with this. And yet... Abraham still struggled. Mm -hmm. Abraham still said, okay, God, but I still don't have a son yet. And I've got this guy named Eleazar and he's going to get everything. If, if, you know, how's that going to work? And God's having to st stop in and step in and say again, Abraham, take a breath or Abram. He was yeah. Abram then. I keep making that mistake. That's okay. uh, Abram, take a breath. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Um, we're going to make it work. And so God is good, just giving him this reminder to increase his faith and to calm his fears. I think it's really it's also interesting to look and see that God is the one who's putting all the responsibility for this covenant on himself. Yes. You know, you, you take that and, and it, we don't, we don't quite get the image of splitting the carcasses of the animals in half and, and all that. And, and the vision of the flaming pot and all that stuff. We don't, I mean, we sort of, we know what it means, but, we, but the, the significance is that ordinarily when they did that, both parties would walk through those carcasses. In this one, God alone moves through the carcasses. He moves through the bodies and the animals, which means God is placing upon himself and himself alone the responsibility to make this happen. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's, again, he's telling Abraham, reminding him again, what this covenant's all about. 
uh, you know, this is about me. This is about my faithfulness. This is about my promises to you. You just need to trust me. You just need mm-hmm. to walk with me. You just need to do the things. And God is still saying the same kind of stuff to us today. You know, we yes. get we get worked up and we get frazzled and we get worried and all this stuff. And God's just saying, please, take a second. Trust me. And if we do, we'll find that he's really he's really been doing all that he said he was going to do from the very beginning. Yes. Your, how, your explanation of that just kind of reminded me of this is why it's so important, I think, to study Genesis. Well, every book of the Bible has invaluable wisdom for us and is, um, is intended to help us. Uh, but Genesis, I especially love because it gives such a foundation to God's character and who he is and what he can do. And um, without that, or, you know, not a, with, without a full understanding of that, I think we are less equipped uh, as believers. And so it's, it's just so helpful. Yeah, Amber, you got to remember the, the, the original audience for this. You know, you mentioned that. The original audience for these books, Moses wrote these books during the Exodus. Yes. During the time in the wilderness. And so the original readers would have been those children of Israel mm-hmm. who were stuck in the middle of the desert. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere between Egypt and Canaan mm-hmm. and wondering day by day by day if God was going to provide, if God was going to be enough, if God was going to do this. And so these stories in Genesis and even through the rest, they were the foundation that they that they used to build that that belief, yeah. to believe that, to, to build that faith. And it's just resonated through us yeah. uh, through the centuries yeah. as well. Gosh, that's so good. Uh, how can we compare and contrast Abram's actions in Genesis 15 with his actions in Genesis 16? Well, there's not a lot of comparison. It's mostly contrast. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, the only real comparison is that, that you've got on two separate occasions, human beings trying to do God's job for him. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how, that's how they compare. Uh, they're trying to do things in their own strength. In chapter 15, you've got Abraham trying to use Eleazar. Uh, in chapter 16, you've got Sarah trying to use Hagar and both of them are, are, are just a mess. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both fiascos. They're both, they're both completely off base. Now there's a contrast, I think in the fact that at the beginning of chapter 15, you've got this great statement of faith about Abraham that Abraham believed and it was counted for him as righteousness. And that's an awesome thing, but he turns right back around and he has this, this, this thing with, with, with Hagar. Yeah. This, you know, he, Sarah has this plan and it was culturally acceptable at the time. Uh, nobody would have given it a second thought. It just wasn't God's plan. Right. And, and so it imploded. And I think also <laughs> it's like, let, let's just let's just see if we can't make this happen. Like, like you said, taking mm-hmm. it upon themselves to do what God has promised to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the encouraging thing is, you know, of course, God doesn't use God doesn't need you to be perfect. I think we've talked about that in the past in some of these podcasts. God, God can use imperfect creatures, and Abraham is not the only biblical character who ever stumbled in a weak moment. You know, mm-hmm. David committed adultery and killed Bathsheba's husband, um, but he was considered a man after God's own heart. Peter denied Jesus three times, even though he was warned about it, and he he walked away thinking he was useless, and yet God used him to help build the early church. Um, so you've got these examples of people who have who have gotten second chances, and Abram is one of those guys. Uh, he 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 was a guy whose faith was credited in his righteousness, but he messed up, 
yet God still used him and God still gave him a second chance. To me, that's really encouraging because I flop every day and mm-hmm. I need, I need second chances, third chances, fourth chances. I need as many chances as God is gracious enough to give me. Yeah. And so um, this, this story for me is a reminder that even when I mess up, God doesn't give up. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, okay. So we are at our very last question. Um, Abram's culture allowed for both setting up servants as heirs, which we saw in chapter 15 and using surrogates for barren wives. We see this in chapter 16. What are some contemporary examples of things the culture accepts that believers should really just avoid? Wow, doesn't it just kind of feel like this list gets longer and longer every day <laughs> of, of things that the culture yeah. accepts that we're we're they completely contradict what God says? Oh, it, yeah. it feels that way to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. it just that that there we are never at a loss for things that 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 our our world our culture says. Yeah, go for it. Feel yeah. good about it. And then God says, No, that's not that's not the way I'm saying right. uh, that you need to live your life. We are called to be different. Uh, we are called to live out Jesus in this world. Mm-hmm. And when we live out Jesus in a way that it, it, it stands out, it's winsome, it's attractive, it's, uh, it's different from what the world is experiencing. Jesus says, when you lift me up, I will draw people to myself. And so we have this responsibility to, to stand out, to, mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to live the way God calls us to live. And so sometimes that means rejecting what the culture might think is okay. And as believers, we think about this, and if we started making a list, there would be a lot of low-hanging fruit that we could think of real quick off the top of our heads. For instance, um, abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the culture, at least in some states now, it depends on how these how things go over the next year or so. But right now, there are there are places where we're pockets where abortion is like, yes, that's illegal. We need to have it. It needs to be done. And God says, no, I want you to have, I want you to respect the sanctity of human life. Mm-hmm. I want you to, to uphold and to protect those who can't protect themselves. We celebrate sanctity of human life Sunday every year. And we have resources for that every year because God says it doesn't matter what the culture says. That's not the standard you live by. Uh, another one that we struggle with more often now than maybe it felt like later or in earlier days is, is, you know, questions about gender identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think about those kind of things and God says, no, God created man, God created woman. And, and, and marriage is another thing. You know, what, yeah. what's the definition of a marriage? Well, God says it's meant one man, one woman for one lifetime. And we don't always hit the mark on that, but that's, that's, that's who he says it ought to be. That's the way he says it ought to be. And so we look at those kind of issues and they're sort of like no brainers. And we say, yeah, I understand that. But then if you dig a little deeper, there are some that are much more subtle. And we really wrestle probably more severely, more intensely with some of these kind of issues. For instance, selfishness. Mm-hmm. You know, the world, the world around us says, hey, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Be a self-made person. Be, you know, do, do it on your own. Look out for number one and all that stuff. And God says, no you're created to be a servant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, I've come to serve. You are, you are created to serve. And it goes completely against what the culture says. Uh, we think about humility versus pride. The, the world says, hey, make the most of yourself. You know, make a name for yourself. Kind of like the people in Babel that we talked about mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Make a name for yourself. And God, and God says, no, live humbly. 
Yes. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly before your God. Is what Micah says, the, the prophet Micah. And so it, it's a contradiction to what the what the world around us says, what the culture says. Um, the culture around us says, get all you can get, collect as much material stuff. The one with the the person with the most stuff wins. And God says, no, I want you to be generous. I want you to realize that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Is what Proverbs, what uh, Psalm twenty four one says: the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything belongs to me. I give it to you to be a steward of my resources. Use it wisely. Be generous. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we have these, this tension between what God says and what the culture around us says. And the key is to, to making sure that we're, we're choosing the right one in these options is to keep the proper perspective. And that's anchoring ourselves. We find that by anchoring ourselves in God and his truth. You don't need a PhD in Christian ethics. You don't need a PhD in apologetics to figure all this stuff out. You just need to lean into the leadership that God gives us and gives us the, the truth and the direction that he provides through his word, prayer, through the fellowship with others, all the, all the disciplines that he provides. If we do that, then we will see clearly the way he sees things and we mm -hmm. can respond the way he responds. That's right. Each week, we try to highlight something in the leader guide that we think could be especially helpful to you uh, leaders as you prepare to, to teach this weekend. Uh, I want to bring some attention to pack item six. It is a poster and it's called The Life of Abram or Abraham. Uh, and it is just super valuable tool. It gives a little bit of a timeline of Abram's life and like major events that happen and then where you see that in scripture. So it's just a good snapshot of, of, of what is happening through, through Genesis. It's super concise and easy to read. It's, it's super helpful. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention, pack item six, and it is a poster. Thank you for listening today. If you have comments or questions, you are welcome to send me an email at amber.vaden at lifeway.com. And I will do my best to answer or find the answer for you if I don't know. Bob, thank you for uh, being here today. It is always nice to have you on our podcast. I appreciate it. It's always fun to be here. Next week, we will discuss parts of Genesis 17 with Tim Pollard. Tim is the team leader for Explore the Bible Kids. He always has um, insight and wisdom. Uh, he's just always an interesting guest to have on the podcast. So we would love for you to join us.